Hello, everyone, and welcome back to our His Dark Materials podcast. This is a Swizzbold collaboration with Bald Move. I'm your host, Cecily. I'm your co-host, Alexis. And we're here to talk about episode three of the second season. And this episode is called Theft, Mm. which not much to uh, read into there. Nope. (laughs) Alexis, what did you think about the episode in general? I liked it a lot. I like to see Lee Scoresby get to have a really emotionally impactful moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I liked Lyra getting out, out lied by a liar. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> by a more seasoned liar, we should say. And I liked seeing Mary Malone kind of moving her own story forward. Yeah. She had a lot like? going on. She did. And I love that about her. Um, yeah, I thought it was a, it was a, it was a fun-ish episode. There's a lot of pieces mm-hmm. moving around. It's like, it's like the middle of a chess game. You know, I, I can see right. where the end is going, maybe. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, not that exciting, not a, a, a don't miss episode, you know. But uh, I loved seeing the Panzer Bjorn again. Oh, yeah. Which I really thought that they'd be done until maybe the climax of the series. Mm-hmm. So that was really cool. And maybe maybe that's still true, but that was really exciting. And uh, yeah, I liked it a lot. Just lots of good character development. In this yeah. Movie. Yeah. And cool visuals and more demons than maybe they would have put in the first season. <laughs> yep. Yep. Got a lot to talk about there. I'm going to leave this yep. for a, a demon section that I've devoted to every episode um, because I so far I've had some kind of demon talk to to get to every every episode this year. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I'm 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 really excited. The first thing we're going to talk about is the witches. Mhm. And we start with and start the entire episode with Serafina Pecola walking over the ruins of her queendom, whatever you call these lands. She is pissed. And for, very rightly sad. so. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, she's sending out some sort of like a tele- telepathic message to all of the witches like we have to fulfill the prophecy this thing sucks but we've still got a mission so let's continue on doing that yeah this has made her dig her heels in even more to the idea that they need to find and protect Lyra yeah which was always her mission you know mm-hmm. Mrs. Coulter abducting that one witch and the other queen uh, whose name escapes me right now? Ruta, Ruta. Scotty. Scotty, yeah, yeah. Ruta Scotty. Um, you know, it feels like all of those things were just destined to happen, but they, you know, they don't change the focus of the mission at all. Right. Um. So while we're on the witches, I want to talk about uh, Serafina Pecola's bird, Kaiza, going mm-hmm. to find Yorick Berninson. For the first time, <laughs> our first sighting of the Spanzer Bjorn. Yeah. So exciting. cool. Love to see him. <laughs> yeah, I have I have in my notes in all caps, Yorick. Yorick, yes. he's back. Um, and we find out a couple of things that Kaiza, whether he's lying or not, is saying that he's not here on Serafina Pecola's will. He's doing this just to get some information. And that is what did you see after you left Lyra and mm-hmm. Lyra. I mean, he all but confirms 
because he didn't see it with his own eyes, that Lyra did pass through the gate. And that gives the witches that confirmation. Right. And they're like, you thought we needed your help? We absolutely do (laughs) not. We are going to find our own justice, which seems scary. And, you know, if I were a mortal person trying to take even, even a large army against a sect of ethereal magical people i would still feel inequipped you would unless you had the like internal extra cockiness that these powerful religious people have they believe that they are right and because they are right and because they have god on their side Mm -hmm. i guess they're gonna they're gonna prevail and the way that they see the world is the correct way yeah this is isn't something i've asked you before but Does the Magisterium have a kind of religious code? Um, I assumed it was always like a Catholic type thing, but Mm -hmm. like, do they, is this just like exactly analogous to the Catholic Bible and teachings and all of that? I mean, I, it seems like it's pretty close, right? Yeah. They do. There, there is a God figure. There are angels. There's all that basically catholic stuff it's just so in the garden in a different package yeah in the garden of eden the snake that that enticed eve was satan's demon i guess or (laughs) sure right yeah so they think that dust is original sin which tells you that they do believe in that story yeah yeah or at least some version of it yeah which is interesting um we also learned from uh yorick that Asriel's gate has caused the mountains to start melting rapidly. Yeah, climate change. It's here. Yeah, it's climate change, but at a very expedited pace, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it so, seems yeah. like he, yeah, it seems like he is uh, moving the bears somewhere else because they can't get their normal food yeah. that far in the north anymore, or where he is in the north, in Svalbard. The, the bear island bear island yeah yeah next i want to talk about the magisterium and everything they're up to so uh okay so we kind of opened the episode actually we opened the episode with stanislaus uses some kind of magic to call will to him or i'm sorry will not not will lee scoresby to him yeah is it confirmed that that's that that's grooming like what how do we know that i i'm assuming that it is but is there i was assuming too tells us that okay but i i only assumed it because that is what lee and hester were in search for right and they keep saying the name and um yeah that's not confirmed that's just what i assumed was happening um, because uh, the lithiometer says he's alive and out there somewhere. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I made a lot of assumptions here. But oh, no, it's totally, I they're it's fair. totally fine. <laughs> I think so, yeah. He's looking, very, he's looking very druidish. And later on, they call him a shaman. So Yeah, he's got some magic to him. Yeah, that ring. He's like whispering to the ring. Ring return. and the tattoos on his fingers. Like yeah. He's got very shaman energy. And they're not showing his face still, even though we totally <laughs> we know. We absolutely know who he is. All right, come on. We know who yeah. he is. We know. 
so Lee and Hester wake up and they are on their way to Yenisei. Yenisei? Yenisei. The town. And yes. that was off their kind of charts, but they very much feel that this is the right way for them to go. So Lee lands there, goes into a bar and gets some information out of um, after trying to like uh, lubricate a lot of the patrons of the bar to get information. He's getting none until the, the barmaid, for lack of a better word, comes forward with some information because she's been eavesdropping. And, you know, they know that he might have gone up to an observatory on the top of the hill and they send him up there. Mm hmm. And she has a spider demon. Oh, she does? I miss the spider. Yeah. Oh, it's like crawling up her shoulder. And it's one of those, it's one of those bad ones, too. It's like shiny and orange. It's got those legs. No. Nope. Don't love that. Unpleasant. I don't mean to, (laughs) what's the word? It's not misalign, malign. I don't mean to malign spiders, spiders or anything. Again, second episode in a row, but <laughs> but they're playing them as creeps, not Fucking as creepy. like the good that they can do. I guess. I guess. Right. I don't know. I guess. When uh, Lee is a really terrible spy, can we say that about him? He yes. he is not. He's not good. He's not fit for this role necessarily. Was he trying to be a spy? Well, he's trying to get information, and I. Oh, yeah, I he is doing a terrible sh- job. Yeah, he should maybe, like, be a little bit more low-key about it. And he doesn't <laughs> even notice that half the patrons in this tavern are really, really staring at him. Yeah, every he time leaves. he says a name or a place, they all, like, make a pointed turn and stare. Like, yeah. it's only slightly better than his work in the first season when he just kicked open the doors <laughs> and did a song and dance about it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. He's just, he's not watching his, his six or whatever. Nope. Nope. Ever. So, of course, two uniformed people are sitting there and they watch him go very suspiciously. Mm-hmm. And we already know he's going to get jumped or something. Yep. This whole scene, I was trying to figure out who that barfly reminded me of. Because he looked like, he looked like somebody. He looked like a, like a Yeah, I actually paused the scene. Person. To yeah. Google what Philip Pullman looks like, because I was like, "Is they, are they giving him a kind of like a cameo here? Because uh, this is a, a pointed Stephen King moment. Yeah, it's a very pointed showing of this bar patron and mm-hmm. his conversation with him, which equates to absolutely nothing, and it's yeah. not Philip Pullman. So it's, it's nobody. It's just somebody. It's just showing him like, like wasting his time. Yeah, and he wasted our time, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why'd you have to pick somebody who looks like a, an already famous person? Why do you have to pick someone who looks like someone? <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Ugh, whatever. Uh, so he gets this information and heads up to the observatory. And I'm, I miss the guy's name who heads the observatory, but it doesn't matter because he is not long for this world. Yeah. You know, Lee presses him for some information, and the guy pushes back, and he says... The others, it's it's just me. So that tells me that this guy, I mean, I don't I'm not saying this is fact, but I feel like this guy has had other people who have worked with him and maybe the observatory was not in such disrepair at that time. But when mm-hmm. the magisterium moved in, everyone who tried to uh put forth 
science and facts over magisterium logic, or they tried to see outside of what the magisterium could comprehend, were killed. So this guy mm-hmm. has become like a radical observer, or he's gonna die. That could be the case, or he could be just a true and true was, like believer. That's what I was gonna say. He had just like a little that little spark of belief in him, mm-hmm. and that was all it took. Yeah, but either way, dude sucks. Yeah, dude sucks. Dude's calls dead. grooming a heretic. Yeah, he's dead as disco now. <laughs> exactly. Um, Lee tries to leave and gets shot at. And thankfully he survives because mm-hmm. he's able to shoot back and also doesn't get any information out of this guy. It's, yep. It feels like a wasted trip. It's a bit of a wasted trip. The biggest thing this does is, one, confirm that the Magisterium is everywhere now because mm-hmm. this is just a tiny town in the middle right. of nowhere. Right. With and a, also... D- an observatory in disrepair, but you're still watching it. Right. And this also puts him... In a place where he and Coulter can meet up. Yeah, that's true. Um, it's all part of the prophecy. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yep. So that's the sorry. <laughs> that's the that's the fantasy novel thing. Just like that's the hand wave. It's prophecy. <laughs> exactly. It was meant to be like this. It's magic. That's why. <laughs> that's why it's such a remarkable coincidence. Yes. Um. So Mrs. Coulter is, I had to rewatch the scene three times to understand why they were there, but mm-hmm. Mrs. Coulter is waylaid by the weather and that's why her balloon lands in the same town. Gotcha. And because I thought it was really weird that the bartender plus or slash innkeeper is mm-hmm. so willing to give her information and that it seems like a surprise to her. <laughs> because the first time I watched this, I thought, well, she landed here because they arrested Lee Scoresby, but no, right. it's just the weather, and they're yeah. there incidentally, and maybe she wouldn't have ever known that Lee Scoresby was arrested unless this woman had given her some information. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I hate this woman, this bartender, <laughs> <laughs> because like traditionally, people who see everything are kind of keepers of all knowledge. And they are either persuaded correctly or monetarily to give away that knowledge. But she just can't stop giving it up to everyone that she meets. Well, she sees these these people and this very fancy lady who's very clearly, I guess, part of the magisterium. And she's just like instantly open book. She right. But she was an open book everything. to Lee Scoresby, too. Like, yeah. oh, I heard you were talking to these other drunk guys. But here, let me give you some <laughs> real info, you know? It I was, think she was. I think she was setting him up. You think in so? that initial oh, encounter? I'm was. pretty sure. Yeah, she. I mean, she has a spider demon, so you know that she likes to weave a web. Okay. Okay. Right. Right. All right. See what they're going with here. Is that something? Okay. <laughs> <It's> something. <laughs> Is that anything? <laughs> <laughs> um. So Mrs. Coulter interrogates Lee in the interrogation room that's built into this inn and bar bar mm-hmm. right. tracks yeah i mean there's definitely a cage with chains in it next to him yes so if the bartender is working on the inside then that makes perfect sense oh i bet that's a demon cage <laughs> oh maybe oh, that's sad oh that's creepy so 
she interrogates Lee and he's not giving anything up. He's already been abused, maybe from being arrested or being previously interrogated fruitlessly. Mm-hmm. And she tries a couple of tricks like having her demon slash Hester and yeah. also sm- smacking him herself. <laughs> and she's not getting anything out of him because she knows that Lee Scoresby understands that Lyra's life is worth one tenth of his own. Mm-hmm. And that also makes her trust him a lot. Yeah, Lee really gets into her head in this scene, which is really interesting because I don't think we've actually seen anybody that she isn't or doesn't want to fuck uh, do this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Usually it's only people that she wants to have sex with that can get into her head. But this time they connect on the fact that both of their parents were abusive. Terrible, apparently. yeah. Really shitty, abusive parents. Yeah, and that makes you uh, either a much better or much worse person. Yeah, these we, see, two... we see both sides of this, yeah. right? But you still Absolutely. are made of the same stuff. So if you're questioned, you're not going to give up what you want to stay true to. I like that. Uh, there's a line that Lee says, says that love isn't enough whenever it comes to dealing with somebody else. Yeah. And I think that's one of the smartest things he's maybe said yeah. in the entire, the entire show so far. Absolutely. Because it's like, oh, it's your daughter. So m- truly you must care about her. Well, right. obviously the love is there, but yeah, just not enough. It doesn't or, make you a good parent. It doesn't make you yeah. a good provider. It doesn't make you richer or, yeah, anything like that. It doesn't that. make you treat people better, necessarily. If the only way you know how to deal with people is to force them to do what you want them to do, it doesn't matter how much you love somebody else or how much you claim that you love somebody. <laughs> right. I mean, look at Asriel and Coulter's love story itself. Like, they right. are not together, but they are by all accounts deeply in love with each other but that doesn't mean that they're not willing to both sacrifice their own child for this cause that they fell in love over yeah Yeah, it's it's very complicated but love is not everything it is not it does not keep you from being terrible i thought that maybe they just knocked the guard out by hitting the snake's head against the floor but the way Mm -hmm. the guard himself actually twitches at the end makes me think that he's like dying in the dying throes of like the last synapses of your brain he could be we don't actually and then the way i'm sorry it's just the way that like later when she walks away the monkey just throws the snake aside Mm -hmm. what do you think about that so we have a good shorthand for death oh uh, you're right from lyra's world because their their demons go poof right they go full uh avengers endgame or no, not in game. It's the one before that. Infinity War. Infinity War. Yeah. Spoiler alert, I guess, if you haven't seen that. No, it's too long. There's there's, there's, there's no poofing. spoilers anymore. Poofing yeah. happens, dust, whatever. Dust happens. Well, we already know this from the first season. If you die and from this episode actually. Yeah. I didn't even mention the observatory keeper's demon is a yeah, lemur, lemur, which is fucking cool. Mm-hmm. That was cool. New animal. Unique. Yeah. Um, How do you get a lemur in the north? I don't know. <laughs> It's interesting. <laughs> you just 
Must have saw a book somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. He was a scientist. Oh, he totally read about it. Oh, for sure. Maybe he did like some sort of study abroad in his younger years. I don't mm. know. Fair. Um, Before his demon settled, I guess. Does that happen? I don't know. Let's not think sure. too hard about it. <laughs> not that it isn't important, but it's not important right now. Right. But yeah, we so- see that the demon disappears immediately after death or as death is occurring. Right. So I do think the guard is just knocked out, but the monkey demon is definitely still being a little mean to that snake as they're leaving. Yeah. Still, he he interrogated Hester and then just picks up the snake again just to toss it aside. I don't know. Yeah. She, I mean, this is the other thing I want to ask you. Mm Mm-hmm. Is are we experiencing some sort of change in Mrs. Coulter? Because there are some gi- there's some gives here. Let me let me give them to you. Let me give these gives to you. Please do. She finds out from Boreal that Lyra is still alive. Mm-hmm. So that means that she could go and find Lyra immediately. But she frees Lee Scoresby first. On the off chance that he will find her first and keep her safe, when she knows that that means just it's just another person to compete with her trying to find Lyra first. It is, but the fact that Boreal knows where she is already, and he is kind of, they've gone head to head a little bit, or they, they're starting to go head to head a little bit, he and uh, Miss Coulter. So maybe she doesn't trust him as much. Right. To not be a cruel bastard, but it seems like she trusts Lee. Yeah, but that, after their conversation, that places a lot of heft on thinking that Lyra will come back to this world, or because, or it places that, a lot of heft that he, that he will make it out of this world. Oh, because that gate is still just like there. It is. It is. It's still open, and that means Miss Coulter must also be planning on crossing into that barrier. If that's where everybody agrees that Lyra is gone, yeah. And here's the other thing that um, that I couldn't quite that I couldn't quite understand. Boreal has been passing in between this world, the our demon world, mm-hmm. and the world that Lyra and Will occupy right now. But when Will and Lyra cross between that border, they be, they go between. Oxford and Chittagatze. Mm-hmm. So how does Boreal not go between those two places? I mean that that's kind of confusing for me. How that how that barrier, the open one in the garden that they all cross through, goes mm-hmm. to these different places. They've been crossing through more than one barrier. Oh. And the fact that they open on two different places, I will say, is very interesting. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. You I think you're meant to be a little bit confused at this point. Okay. All shall be revealed in time, <laughs> the oracle says. So when Mrs. Coulter releases Lee by giving him the keys and giving him a gun, the way she went to go walk out was very cinematic in a, in the sense that if she were a villain, her eyes would be cast in shadow. But this mm-hmm. time, the upper half of her face was cast in light, which makes me think that she's got some sort of change for the better on the horizon. 
It does seem like they're signaling a change of heart. Yes. There's some that's what that's partly what I meant at top when I said there was a lot of interesting character development in this yeah. episode. I feel like people are some people are getting harder and more mm-hmm. adult like or more adventurer like. Mm-hmm. And some people are getting softer. All right. So now I want to talk about sort of the goings on at the Oxford College. Yeah. Um, Lyra goes off to the college immediately in the morning and leaves Will this useless note behind. Well, <laughs> it comes to use later, but. She didn't leave it anywhere that he would immediately look. <laughs> right. Um, and then she goes off between this gate. And it... I don't know. This is a nitpick for sure. But it definitely seems like this gate is very close to where you could find it. And where a lot of children's wandering eyes that love to watch the goings on in the city could find it and see you going through it. Yeah, that's fair. It's kind of just in the middle of... These rows of houses. Yeah. It is interesting. So Lyra arrives at the college and at the same time that this D.I. Walters is searching for her, um, Mary kind of puts him off, but she finds Lyra first in the elevator and tells her to leave. Um, (laughs) This guy finds him in the elevator and Lyra compliments his mustache (laughs) is this the same guy from last season who went into will's house or is he wearing a very obvious fake mustache what was this line about what was this line about i think this line was just lyra being a sassy little brat okay but i do think that this was one of the guys one of those guys that was working with boreal before okay that's what i thought because he's definitely not a police officer he's got way more information than he should Mm-hmm. So they go back to the office and he asks about her, some some questions, ultimately revealing that he knows her true name and that he knows who Will is. Mm-hmm. And Mary smartly causes a distraction to allow Lyra to escape. Yep. Um, before as or, what did I do here? writing my notes I got a lot of names mixed up but I know who I was talking about Boreal actually picks her up in his space age uh, goal wing Tesla yeah and steals her alethiometer out of the bag she leaves behind bastard so he's definitely working for the magisterium in some way I think he drove Lyra to Boreal's Tesla right I think so yeah. yeah he flushed her out yeah. And I feel like Lyra could have been much smarter here. Um, you know, in the car he gave her instructions on how to put on a seatbelt, mm-hmm. which should have been kind of a giveaway to her that he knows she's not from this world and wouldn't think to know how to put on a seatbelt. But she's also she had, a child, so Yeah, if she had been really intently listening, she probably could have figured it out, but there was a lot of stuff happening. She was being chased. That's I, a I problem, don't know that Lara. she. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know that she would have even gotten into this car if she hadn't. If there wasn't a very aggressive mustache right behind her. Yeah, almost makes me wonder if she'd just run around the car and kept running. That if that maybe they wouldn't have a plan for where to go from there. You know, maybe, like yeah, the plan was to chase Lara into this car. 
Mm-hmm. Boreal's got a demon, so he can think like one. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so that's all I've got on until they meet up again with Will. That's all I've got on that whole scene. I want to talk about Mary a little bit. What do you think? Let's please do. She is. <sighs> She's so good. A- She's so good. She's so kind. And she has an amazing brogue. I just want to listen to all day. Yes. <laughs> exactly. And she's so short. She and Lyra standing next to each other in that elevator. They are the same height. Are they really? I didn't even they notice. Are, yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. And her face is so much smaller than Lyra's. It's amazing. I love her voice. I love her style. It's it's also good. I love that one shoe is always untied somehow. <laughs> because she's thinking yeah. about dark matter. She can't tie her shoes. Yeah. She's too smart to tie her shoes. So, Mary tries to use the machine on her own, trying to make her own connections. Um, mm-hmm. She knows the I Ching box is important, but she keeps trying to use this thing with her brain fully powered and engaged, which, you know, Lyra could have told you, or she did tell you, that don't do mm-hmm. that. Don't think about right. it. Um, the other, this is a, another nitpick I had. Didn't wasn't she talking to a coworker about him being there and present the next day to experience all of this? And it is the next day and he wasn't there. Yeah, that's fair. Um I guess he ghosted. Maybe a sick day or something. <laughs> yeah. He ate too much Taco Bell. Yeah. <laughs> it happens to the best of us, really. Yes, everyone um, on this podcast, certainly. <laughs> recently, in fact. <laughs> Um, so yeah, the, so the headmaster who I'm calling the headmaster is the guy who tells Lyra to stop running, but also stops Mary to say, well, I guess we haven't caught that kid yet. Uh Uh-huh. And. Catch that kid. Yeah. She seems very pleased with herself for lying. She calls him George. Yeah. George. Um, might be important. (laughs) <laughs> given what you just said i don't know shrug i don't know um but in this moment we cut back to the cave computer and it reveals the snake which is a very boreal sign it is it could mean a lot of things anybody who has read all of the books already maybe sort of knows what i'm talking about here don't spoil it for anybody else <laughs> i won't or at least i'll try but it ha- it can have multiple meanings yeah Okay, so maybe, yeah, there's some snakery, general snakery happening here. General snakery, <laughs> yes. General snakery. <laughs> Reporting for duty? Yeah. No, general doesn't report to anybody. <laughs> Reports to the president, that's it. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so Mary later plays with the I Ching sticks, and honestly, I have no idea how this game works. Uh, I don't know how it works. But her unfocused style of playing allows her to realize that there needs to be an unfocused approach in order for her to do the computer thing. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, her power is so strong that not only does it trigger it while she's talking to George, um, but also it triggers the computer in her home or apartment, however far away that is from Mm -hmm. the school, just wakes up the computer completely. Which I think right. is really important. Yes, in the sense that she is connected to that computer. She put all that stuff together. She's been spending a lot mm-hmm. of time with it. 
So it stands to reason that as long as the distance isn't too great, it would respond to her. I don't know where she's living. Maybe she's in some kind of resonance on campus or something. I don't know. Some kind of halfway house? No, no, no. (laughs) For people who get way too into dark matter (laughs) She seems to at least have a townhouse or something. Yeah. Uh, The thing that the I Ching reveals to her when she finally does it is, to the mind that is still, the whole universe surrenders. And it seems like she understands that. And I think that is just the, like you said before, hey, stop trying to be fully awake when Mm. you talk to me. So I don't know exactly how that works either. I I used to know, but then I forgot. (laughs) But essentially, if you really boil it down to the essentials, it's kind of like tarot cards. Yeah. In that same way where the, the cards mean certain things and you have to just kind of come up with your own interpretations and right. apply them to yourself or whoever you're reading for. Whatever. Yeah. That's what I got out of it. But Yeah. So, yeah. I'm interested. I love this idea of playing pickup sticks with your fate. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, I know you said fate, but it definitely sounded like you said feet. I love playing pickup sticks with my feet, too. Do you? You got those finger toes? I can. Oh. (laughs) Got those monkey toes. I did not know this about you. Oh, no. You picking up socks and shit with your your toes? Yes. Sometimes. I just told on myself. Okay, cool. Who doesn't do that? Is that weird? I don't know. You know I pick up shit with my my feet (laughs) if I don't want to bend all the way down? <laughs> I don't know what it is, but for some reason, because it's the feet, it feels like slightly gross to me. I don't know. Maybe I just don't like feet. Mm. Maybe you just learned something about me. Mm. Sounds like a you problem. Big Probably fan of is. my own feet. <laughs> I need for it to not be the case that every time I go to look up a woman celebrity on Google, the, the like second third, or third thing is feet. Th- yeah. Why? What do feet look like? Yeah. <sighs> That is so weird. So I, I I'll never get it. Me either. I think it. <laughs> like if the second or joke. third result were like boobs or butt or <laughs> best dressed. I mean, those things kind right. of make sense. It make a certain amount of sense. But feet sure. being the highest result. All right. Let's talk about Lyra and Will's story. Let's close this out with everything that Lyra and Will are doing. We talked about Lyra's adventures a bit, but. You know, Will wakes up in the morning, finds Lara is gone, goes to search for her, but instead's find, instead finds Angelica. Is that her name? Angelina or Angelica? I believe it's Angelica. Angelica, okay. Yeah. In a house watching this tower, and there's a man pacing around up there. Tries to yep. make it seem like it's a ghost or uh, uh, whatever it is. Just the weakest lie ever. Right. Yeah. She knows what's going on up there, and these kids suspects. are holding some really scary secrets, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched a version of this episode that did not have subtitles. So here's my interpretation of what she said. Toblangi belongs to the guild. <laughs> <laughs> what the f- what did she say? Uh, is this important? Uh, I Who belongs no. to what guild? No, it's just the it's the name of the tower, and it it translates as Tower of the Angels. It's not oh. it's Tower of the Angels, but in Italian. That's okay. all it is. Yeah, and the guild. She goes on to explain are they were like philosophers and 
scientists, and they are all kind of allied together for a certain goal. Mm. I know what it is, but you all don't know yet. All right, fine. Fine. Yep. <laughs> So it's sh- super sus. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Towel Blangy is sus. <laughs> oh my god. Um, and she spooks him about specters a little bit more. So yeah, she uh, reminds him that that's a thing that he needs to care about. Cecily soon. will remember this. Mm. <laughs> Telltale. Uh, he finally finds Lyra's note and reunites with her after the alethiometer is stolen. And finds her at Oxford College. Um, and they agreed to go see Paddington together. <laughs> which is was the this best the first scene. one? It is a, it's amazing. Was this the first one or the second one? I, I feel know. like I saw I haven't the seen first either one. of them, but I need to. I know I saw the first one, and I don't remember there being a like shimmery world door thing that yeah. would have made Pan smile so cutely. I know. It's so uh, great. It's so good. They go she there. just takes that fistful of popcorn. <laughs> it's okay. Go ahead. Yeah, sorry. I just ate popcorn yesterday uh, while we were watching a movie. And as I was eating it, I was like, this is so good, but I hate it. Like, everything's getting stuck to my teeth. It, it makes me feel <laughs> it's grimy. It's very dry. It's very yeah. dry. Uh, it's disgusting, but I can't stop eating it. <laughs> it's a salt and butter delivery mechanism. That's yeah, all it is. Exactly. Yeah. Um, But I love how much they love this movie. And... If I can make, if Elira were in focus in this scene, I wish I could make a gif of her angrily eating popcorn. And I still might <laughs> with her out of focus. But, yeah, um, good. I mean, this has got me thinking. And I, you know, you don't have to confirm this if it is a spoiler, but does Lyra's demon settle into Paddington? <laughs> what a wild question. <laughs> I'm I thinking, mean, I mean, seeing Pan's face, admiring Paddington, I'm thinking this is sure. a sure thing, right? I mean, it's <laughs> it's definitely, it's a thing. I will give you that. Thank you. I'm not going to answer that. I don't want to so, spoil one way or the other. Lyra's demon settles into a bear with a raincoat confirmed here yeah, on this confirmed. podcast. Loves marmalade. <laughs> yeah. Can't get enough yeah. of this stuff. How could you not? Yeah. This was so cute, just seeing them just in awe at Paddington. Yeah. Uh, great scene. Definitely. So they get the idea to go to Boreal's house or Charles something's house flat mm-hmm. to get this thing back. Flat? That's not a flat, ma'am. A it, flat had a number. it had a yeah. number six. It made me feel like it was part of a greater uh House has got complex. numbers on them house has got numbers out of it's like a mansion but the number six all right sure. you're right you're it's a right. short street because it seemed like <laughs> all right this is a very american way to look at this but it's a number six right. tells me it's a unit within a greater hmm. construct and holy shit this house flat or apartment is incredible it's I think all we're only seeing buried. one room of it. That's probably what's thrown you off. <laughs> but it's That's still incredible what it's he's so done dark. with this shit. Yeah, it's so yeah. dark. And modern. Yeah. I don't I don't love it, but I love it. The museum part. The fact that it feels like a museum is kind of neat. Yeah. You can tell he's a he's definitely a collector. Mm-hmm. And if you're collecting ancient artifacts, I think it kind of goes hand in hand that you're a thief. I'm looking at you, British Museum. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. You're not wrong. <laughs> 
And also all of the American museums. All of them, yeah. Yeah. So uh, at the end of this interaction, Boreal offers to give Lyra the leaf theometer back if they can provide him this this spooky object or tower knife. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. It's interesting how he is employing children to go get it for him. It's almost like maybe he knows maybe that he his knows adult Steve ass Jobs. can't be there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a. talking about people who like to employ children. Maybe he knows <laughs> Chef Bezos. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> oh, they're going to have to pee in a bottle instead of take breaks. Oh. That's unfortunate. Hmm. Well, hmm. Maybe should have been born billionaires, and then you wouldn't have to deal with this. Um, I was really expecting Mrs. Coulter to show up in this moment. Really? Yeah, because he sent the message, and then they yeah. arrived at the house, so I thought he'd maybe trap them there for a amount of time that she could come and confront them, too. But, mm-hmm. you know, I also don't know that she's willing to go through the portal yet, even though she told the card- the new cardinal at the end of the last episode she's on her own adventure, and now she's doing this thing. I don't actually know right. where she's headed if it's not if it's not through the portal. I mean, she's gotten all the confirmation she needs so far. Mm-hmm. Right. And also, how the fuck is Boreal getting messages between across space and time? I'm assuming he's just popping in to just, other <laughs> realities. Yeah, he has his own little separate door that goes to Demon World. All right, yeah. That's confusing to me the, how they get... Like, between the, the three worlds i think it was yeah yeah the greenhouse which is how i thought that lyra and will were getting back and forth between no they're going through uh, a little hole that the cat found oh park. yeah it's those are separate holes oh okay okay but it is very interesting that they lead to different places yeah all right let's talk about some demon updates yes please i don't think it was fair enough in the first season or so far in the second season about how awesome these demons look because they are not even in the second season there's not nearly enough for me (laughs) um you'll never be satisfied no i won't because you know boreal his demon should be present in every scene he's in but it's not we haven't seen it once and that's and a nitpick again. Defense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But we've we gotten know a that, lot. He, that he has a sleeve snake, though. So right. That's not too exactly. Weird. But it's not. A, but you know, you're right. That kind of makes sense because if we had that that demon up his sleeve and also like repeating his plans back to him as the other part of himself, then that would be giving way too much about what Boreal's up to. Mm-hmm. But they've given us a lot of demons. In fact, I was watching this episode and. Kaiza showed up to talk to Yorick and I was like, oh my god, this bird looks amazing. I can't believe the CGI, CGI they've done to its mouth. And I was like, no, shit. <laughs> this entire <laughs> thing, is CGI. thing is CGI. Yeah, and, yeah, and all really of these good. animals, which have been a lot more frequent this season, are mm-hmm. impressive. They really are impressive and incredible. And They do a really good job making them look both realistic and expressive at the same yes, time. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um... The other thing I wanted to talk about as far as demons go, Mrs. Coulter lets her monkey hold her hand. Sure does. And Exciting. that is progress between the two of them and growth, maybe? Perhaps. Progress and growth in a character that I don't care to see it in. <laughs> <laughs> She's allowing herself to be comforted. By herself. By her, 
by so, herself and she yeah. hates herself so that yeah that's progress I yeah think. the story about lee's father and the strength that lee the two different paths that lee and her took with the same kind of upbringing is seems to be making a difference with her mm-hmm. uh, an impression on her at least yeah she and maybe is realizing that she doesn't have to just be in pain all the time and that isn't like a healthy base level way to exist right the self-hatred this repressment you feel mm-hmm. repressment repression you feel within yourself yeah there you go yeah um then my last note was pan turns into paddington but we already know that's canon <laughs> it's gonna happen <laughs> <laughs> pan's adorable little little uh ferret smile <laughs> yes <laughs> so cute. and also i would be remiss if i didn't mention hester's just delightfully sweet oh. and supportive little head nuzzle. Yes, the head nuzzle. Yeah. It almost made me cry. It, I was She was like, close. you did a good job. And I was like, I yes. wish I knew how to tell myself that. Oh, God. <laughs> I right? wish I could I nuzzle wish... myself. And then, I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm good. Hester was my demon. Hester's great. I love Hester. Yes, Hester is perfect. She's rational. She's sweet. Yeah, she's she good. She can handle being choked by a lemur and yeah. just Hell come yeah. right back. It's pretty great. Slapped by a monkey. I know. I was monkey so worried. Slaps. <laughs> monkey slaps. I was worried because, you know, when Lyra, when the last time we saw this kind of dynamic happen was Mrs. Coulter's monkey beating up Lyra's demon mm-hmm. to try to control her. And Lyra's right. demon could transform into any animal that could take her monkey. But mm-hmm. Hester is a bunny. As soon as yeah. I, they you know i love the way that mrs coulter directs a demon like you know that's all she needs to say and she and the demon knows to attack and that's their cue um yeah i just don't i don't know how you're like the cardinal who's got a moth or a bug or something like that or hester who's just a bunny how you can hold your own but uh it seems seems very challenging yeah, but it's very interesting. It's a very interesting thought on how you can. And it's very much like a turtle in the hair kind of thing. You can underestimate the power of these animals and the strength of these people because mm-hmm. you just write them off as having a butterfly or a bunny demon, something like that, you know, when they can very much hold their own. Yeah. I was paying attention, uh, I guess I have one last thing about demons. I was paying attention in the crowd scenes to try to see, because that was, I think, a major failing of the first season as far as demons go. There were so many crowd scenes and there were not enough demons for the people present. (laughs) But in the crowd scenes when they were sort of doing a, like a pan over the town, Mm -hmm. over the top of everybody's heads, I was noticing there were cats, there were dogs, and they were like CGI cats and dogs and all sorts of critters yeah just hanging around yeah so good on them and it's something that you know if they hadn't established that everyone has a demon and you should expect one animal per person Mm -hmm. you wouldn't look for and um but it it, you really notice it when it's not there no like what yeah yeah there's a if there's a whole town uh aerial shot and there's no animals anywhere I'm like, mm-hmm. whoa, so storm's blowing in, or you're expecting the magisterium, or another world, or what? 
Right. Yeah. We see we see ten or fifteen Egyptians running up a hill and three demons. Right. We think that's not right. Wow, the magisterium <laughs> really ravaged this town. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like wow, that's a lot of uh, jacket snakes. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of jacket snakes. A lot of birds that are just overhead keeping watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> all right. That's all I've got for this episode. Um. Alexis and I will be back next week for the fourth episode of His Dark Materials. We are looking forward to seeing you there. If you have any feedback about any of the episodes, you can send that to entertainment at swizzbold.com. Again, that link is in the show notes if you can't write it down right now. You can also find us on all of social media at swizzbold. And Just tell us how great we are. Sorry. Please do. Please tell us how great we are because we, you know, just like comfort from our own demons our personal demons we thrive on it from strangers oh my god we crave external validation it's It's like a week's worth of therapy right there yes (laughs) (laughs) but yeah this this wouldn't be possible without our patreon supporters on swizzbold you can become a patron yourself if you're not already and why wouldn't you be at patreon.com slash swizzbold but i would especially like to thank our fred level patrons by name right now david satterley jenny Angelo Morano, Byron Rasmussen, George P. Burdell, James Taylor, Lisa Singleton, Jared Harrelman, Kira Grusho, Jordan Hoyt, Arvind Rao, Laura Luthi, Brandon DeVito, Mark Hahn, and Greg Rasp. Thank you guys so much. You are our personal demons as we get through this <laughs> season. <laughs> but you knew I was going to like take it with a strong lead and then end it awkwardly. That's who I am and that's what I'm doing. Thanks that's so much, perfect. you guys. <laughs> We'll see you next episode. See you guys. Bye. Bye.